Well, good morning. This is a stepladder. I'll explain that later. Move it back a little bit so I can see everybody. Great to be here with you. Um, I feel like I'm almost back home. I'm close, Wisconsin, you know. And when I'm not pulling for the Vikings or the Eagles, I do pull for the Packers, but anyway. <laughs> Anyhow, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at that in just a few minutes. And um, the reason I have this step ladder up here is because I want to use this as a visual aid. In fact, I'm going to turn it around the other way. I want to use it as a visual aid. And honest to God, I'm hoping because it's up here, you never forget this sermon. That this little visual aid is going to help you for the rest of your life. I'm not just saying that. I'm really hoping and praying that will happen. Because what this, today's sermon is all about, like Hebrews 11, is your faith. And your faith is really all you got. And I'd like to pray with you about that. Would you pray with me? Lord, I come before you with this group of people, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for my brother Dennis. I love that guy. He's like my brother. And I know he loves me because we both love you. And I know these people love you too, Lord. We love you. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to understand the Bible. And it's sometimes confusing to us. And sometimes we get mixed up. And I'm sure there's people here that feel that way even this morning. And their faith may be weak. Or their faith may be strong. Or their faith may be just starting. Or it may be really old. It really doesn't matter. Each one of us needs to learn to take a new step in our faith. It's much of why we're here this morning. We need to grow in our faith. So help us, Lord, as we try and understand faith, see what we need to do in our own personal lives with our faith, I'm honestly asking that you'd help us learn, not only for today, but how to take steps of faith every day to the day you take us home with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but when I get together with people um, and I hear a new preacher I always like to, what I call, get context, a little bit, who are you? So I even wrote down some things so I wouldn't forget to, to mention them in my life history, okay? So let me tell you who I am. I grew up in Minnetonka, Minnesota. It's a western suburb of Minneapolis. I was church. I was in a good Bible church when I grew up. But in my middle school and high school years, I was really rebellious and a lot of trouble for my parents. I'm a middle child, so I'm the problem child. I was the problem child. I was a black sheep of the family. So at 18 years old, I won't take time to get into it, but I had a pretty dramatic conversion. It was literally no preacher, no service, nobody witnessing to me. I just came home one night from being with my girlfriend that day. It was a Sunday night, 1970, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I need to get right with God. Went into my bedroom, folded my hands, put my elbows on my bed, and asked Jesus to come into my life. And it changed everything. From there, I got heavily involved as in the 1970s in what's called the Jesus movement. I had a white motorcycle jacket, and I had my mom sew, Jesus loves you on the back of it. I proudly wore it everywhere, and I even today tell people, I am a Jesus freak and proud of it, okay? So that's me. Anyway, you got to know that. So what I mean by freak is, yeah, I'll tell you, there's something I didn't know in life till I was 18 years old. And even though I'd been to church, a good church like this church, and heard these things, I didn't make a commitment of faith. And so that's where my faith began. Okay. That was like the beginning of a walk of faith, and from there I've been taking steps, 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 and I want to explain to you how to take those steps today, and Hebrews chapter 11 is a perfect chapter to show us how to do that. So, 
Anyhow, came to faith at that conversion, went to college, and if you'd have known me back then, you would think, you're going to college? I mean, I was not college material. I was a really bad student in middle school and in high school, and my grades showed it, so they let me into Crown College. You've probably heard of that. It's an alliance school, and I went there on probation because I had to qualify. Started a coffee house in the church I grew up in. It was a coffee house ministry we had. We'd have two or 300 kids out on a Friday night. We saw hundreds and hundreds of kids come to Christ at a Jesus festival. We'd have speakers come from California, all over the place. We had a connection with the Jesus people in, in Hollywood through a friend we had in the church. Got very involved there. We had lots of people coming to the Lord. Got met my wife in college, got married to her. Best match for me possible. We've been married over 40 years now. Went to seminary down in Dallas, Texas with her. Got involved with Dr. Gene Getz down there and called Fellowship Bible Church. Learned a ton of things from Dallas. Came up to New Jersey, as Dennis mentioned, started a church. They started meeting in our house. That's how they did it back then with just a few people, and it grew from there to going into a school, from the school to a first building, second building, third building, and uh, now the building we're in now. I'll explain that in a minute. In the middle of the, that time, I was 30 years old when I turned 30. Um, my dad died, and that was just a shocker. I mean, literally got a phone call, your dad's dead, and I'm like, oh, he was perfect shape last time I talked to him. He died at 61 years old. I was 30. And then we went on to have three daughters. Um, now I've got a bunch of grandkids, and um, the church we were in just kept growing and growing and growing, and um, we, I got very sick in 1994, or excuse me, 1992, and then um, it was about a year or so after that, we hired Dennis Episcopo because I was down and out. I literally didn't go to work for nine months, and they kept paying me. I can't believe it, but I, I got better slowly but surely, and it took literally years to get better. But the guy that came in and God used powerfully was Dennis Episcopo. I will forever be grateful to that guy. I love him to death. Uh, you are so, so blessed to have him be your pastor. You, you couldn't do better than Dennis Episcopo. Really <laughs> and um, he, he was, he, God used him in my life powerfully in those three or four years we worked together. Then he moved up here and took this church. And um, I've since then have had... Um, my, my girls, my three girls have gotten married and had kids. I've got nine grandkids and love each and every one of them. I love being a grandpa. And um, we just finished a project where we built a building about like this. And um, it took us 11 years to do it and to raise all the funds. And, you know, it's like a 30 plus million dollar project kind of thing. And we just got in uh, this year. So it's amazing what God's doing among us there. And I'm glad to be a partner with you guys here. And we're in the alliance just like you are. Faith was involved in each one of those steps and many, many more that I didn't even mention to you. Each one of them is a step I had to take. And this step ladder will help illustrate that well. But even this week, let me just share with you people that I was trying to help take a step of faith. This week alone, uh, I met with a couple who their 28-year-old daughter just got killed in a car accident. They had to take a step of faith. God was calling them to that. Talked with somebody else, a pastor friend, and his daughter is um, getting divorced. Uh, they live down south in Kentucky, and this guy's going through a tough time and trying to help his daughter go through terrible divorce. I have another friend who's suffering with cancer, trying to help him take a step of faith and trust God. Um, I have a friend who um, just found out again that his son went back on heroin. Out where we live, there's like a heroin epidemic among youth. And then I met with a guy Thursday 
who's a real close friend, used to be an elder in our church, and he just threw uh, a bad investment that he thought was a for sure investment, pretty much lost all his money, a couple million dollars. And uh, each and every person, that's just one week. I'm helping believers, just like you and me, take the next step of faith. And that's where this ladder comes in. It's about taking steps, right? So as I put down in the outline, if you have an outline provided for you in the bulletin or we'll put it on the screen, I call the big idea of the sermon is this. To grow your faith, you must take steps of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but in my steps of faith, over 40 plus years of being a Christian, I sometimes get afraid. Maybe you have something, God's challenging you to take a step of faith, and you're afraid, whether it's for your daughter, your son, or your body, or your, your spouse, or your marriage, or, or, or you're angry. It's ticking you off. It's not working. Or maybe, maybe you're confused. Have you read the Bible? Especially the Old Testament. New Testament too, but everybody who follows the Lord gets confused. That's not new. It happens to you. Oh, good. Well, then you're part of the family. It happens to us. We get confused. It's a test. It's a step of faith. And I'm hoping that Hebrews 11 really helps you, and this little ladder we're going to use helps you understand how to take the next step and what the next step for you is. So let me show you what I mean. Point one, your outline reads like this. Faith comes from an act of your will. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It reads like this. It tries to explain to us at the beginning of this what faith is. And it's written, the author's writing to a group of people who are struggling in their faith, and he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We better stop right there, because that's like a definition he's giving us here. And he's trying to help us, first of all, understand what faith is. Now, maybe before we go to this, I should explain to you what faith is not. Faith is not magic. Faith is not some kind of trick or some kind of a technique. Because sometimes you hear some of these preachers preaching, it almost sounds like, well, if you do it just like this, it's kind of magical and you'll get the... No, 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 no. It's not like that. Sometimes the health and wealth gospel stuff gets like that. But it's, no, no, no. Do you remember uh, Simon, uh, the, the magician, in Acts chapter 8? And Peter laid hands on the believers, these new believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. This thing's happened. And, and Simon comes, hey, Pete, Pete, how much, how much does that cost? I want to get some of that. How do I do that? And Peter gets all mad and says, may your money perish with you. You know, he's all ticked off at him because, like, what are you doing? You don't understand this at all. It's all about faith in Christ. That's what it's about. It's about God. It's not about you. It's not a trick. You can't buy it. So that's what I'm saying to you. First of all, you got to understand, well, it's not magic. It's not, not something you can buy. It's not just some technique or ritual you go through. It's an act of your will, as we're talking about right here, act of your will. Secondly, it's not uh, an acceptance of some creed. Remember James chapter 2, I think it's verse 19. James says uh, to the believers there, you know, even the devil believes that there is a God, and they tremble, the demons do. Remember that passage? He's just saying, you know, it's not just believing God exists. He's just, he's there. There's more to it than that. And you need to understand that. We'll explain that in a minute, too, when we get into this definition. And thirdly, it's also not um, just a blind leap where you're taking a step in the dark and you don't know what is going to happen. Uh, somehow, again, it's almost like magically God's going to be there. I just have to do it. Like, no, 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 no. There, there, there's evidence. There's proof. In fact, let's look at those two words. Look what he says. He says here it's the assurance. The word assurance is hypostasis or hypostasis, depending on how you want to pronounce it in the Greek. And it, it means confident or resolute firmness. Think about that. Resolute 
firmness. So he says, faith is the resolute firmness of things not seen or things hoped for. And then he goes on to say, it's the conviction of things, conviction of things not seen. That one is a little difficult because conviction means proof. This is this is what tripped me up in this passage. It's tripped me up lots for, for years. Maybe you're the same way. Like, wait a minute. It's conviction needs proof. So it's the proof of things not seen. Wait a minute. You're saying that faith is proof? I don't get it. How can how can faith be proof? Because don't you have to have proof to have faith? In other words, you just don't put your faith in nothingness. You put your faith in the evidence, faith in what you've seen. I don't get it. Well, he explains it in verses 2 and 3. Ready? Look at verses 2 and 3. He gives us illustrations of what he's trying to say. He says, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. He's saying, you got the whole story of God recorded in the Old Testament that tells about how people trusted God by faith. And he goes on to explain, look at verse 3. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of the things that are visible. He says, not only do you have the testimony of saints in the past that trusted God, all that and what God did to honor them because they honored him, he says you also have the whole creation. You remember Romans 1? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Look at verses 20 and 21. Let's see what it says here. Romans 1, 20 and 21 read like this. For his, talking about God, for God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Talking about everybody. We're all without excuse. God can be seen even just by looking at nature. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul, writing in Romans, is trying to help us see what, what we're hearing from this author of the book of Hebrews, where he's saying, you know, it's all evidence, and, and the, the proof is in, witnessed in the word of God, the testimony of people of God, as well as creation. Now, this is where I bring in the latter. To me, it's been very helpful to look at faith, and I think it explains well what he's trying to say here, like a ladder. Let me show you what I mean. I'll use these two pieces here to try and explain it. He's telling us here, we believe the word of God, what was written by people in the past about what God did in the past, written about creation, and he uses that word, word here, if you've noticed, and he's challenging us to take our will and lean it upon his word. You know, in a stepladder, this is the bracing side, right? And this is the stepping side. It's a stepladder. So our will needs to rest upon, depend upon God's word. Now, where your will and God's word meet, right here, that's faith. Oh, it might take steps to get there. And don't worry, I won't walk to the top. But when these two meet in your life, that's faith. If these two haven't met yet, you don't have faith. You might be taking some steps toward it, but it's where you, as an act of your will, decide, I'm going to depend on what God says. 
for my eternal salvation, that's what conversion is, for my walk with God, for my marriage, for the kids, for our money, whatever it be. It's a step of faith when you finally get your will to the place saying, okay, I'm going to trust God. And I believe there's not a person in this room this morning that has, doesn't have some challenge. In our church, we like to say, we want you to hear God's call and follow it. Everybody in this room is being called to some kind of step this morning. What is it? Again, is it in your finances? Is it with your marriage? Is it with a conflict at work or your career? Is it with your, your siblings, your spouse? You know, there's always something where you have to say, all right, I'm going to lean into God's word. Doesn't that make sense to you? And in fact, it kind of defines this whole thing. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. My conviction, my proof is in what I've seen in God's word, what I see in creation by the word of God that created it. I'm dependent on God's word. This is, this is step one. This is where we need to start. And it's really an act of your will, an act of surrender to do this. Got that? Ready now? I think you're ready for the rest of it. Look at point two. Faith increases as you're willing to take steps. Do you get it? So first step, I come to Christ. Second step, I trust him with, with, with what's going on in my marriage or what's happening in my life. And then I trust him, you know, you're taking a step. Okay, the whole point here now as he goes on is, well, you need, to, you need to take other steps. He uses two guys to illustrate it. Look with me at the text. Verses, let's read verses uh, 4 through 6 together. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Remember that story? Genesis chapter 4. Through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. First illustration then is of Abel having more faith than Cain. We'll come back to that. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Tells us in Genesis 5 that, and in a couple other places in the Bible too, that this guy Enoch, he walked with God. We'll come back to that in a minute. He was taken up so that he should not see death. And, and, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He uses these two stories right at the beginning of the Bible to help us see that what happened in their lives was all about their faith. Remember, Cain set up a, a, a sacrifice to God, and then Abel set up a sacrifice. Actually, Cain's sacrifice was a little more elaborate than Abel's. Well, then why did God accept Abel's and not Cain's? He just told us. Because in his heart, he was leaning upon God's word. He was trusting God with his will. Abel wasn't. Folks, listen clearly. No matter what ritual you go through, no matter what you try and do to please God, it's worth nothing to him. Only faith counts. Only trusting in him. And I'll explain why in a minute, but that's the thing that works in God's mind. Only faith. It doesn't matter what the sacrifice was. And then he uses an illustration. He uses this guy, Enoch. He says, didn't you remember? It read, it read, it, your Old Testament says Enoch walked with God. Isn't it interesting? What's walking about? Steps. Enoch knew how to take step by step, step by step up the ladder, trusting God. 
leaning his will into the truth that's revealed in the scriptures. Do you understand? Your, your emotions aren't enough. Your intellect's not enough to reach God. You know that, right? You, no human being on the planet Earth is smart enough to really think God. That's why we call this divine revelation. It has to be revealed to us. Nobody can come into some kind of experience and like, oh, I can just feel him. I'm not to say we don't feel him, but it's like, no, that won't work either. It's, it's faith. It's us putting our will in God's word. That's what's going to work. Well, as we think this through, you got to ask some questions. In fact, look at verse 6. I didn't read this yet, did I? Verse 6, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I love that verse. He used this word impossible. We'll come back to that. But he says it's impossible to please God. You know, like I said, you can't intellectually get there, can't emotionally get there. But he said you can put your faith in him. And when you put your trust and your faith in him that, that, and believe that he exists, in other words, he's real, and that he's the rewarder of those who trust him. Now, that brings up a question. And it's all based on this idea of this word he starts that out with. It's impossible. Impossible. And like I already illustrated or told you, you can't do it intellectually. You can't do it emotionally. You don't have the capacity to get to God. But if you will put your will into what's been revealed, God starts to be revealed to you. You start understanding. You start pleasing him, understanding him. He, you, you and him start connecting. Let me ask you a question. I remember asking this question when I was young in the faith. Why is faith the key? Why? Faith, you're, you're saying, preacher, faith is what determines whether I go to heaven or I go to hell? What's the big deal about faith? Why is faith so significant? Why is faith so important to God? Well, he already kind of told us when he said impossible. Let me try and illustrate it more practically. Let's say you and I want to get to know each other. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, to the degree he will trust me. Get that word, trust with information about himself, and to the degree I will trust him with information about myself, to that degree we will have a relationship. Folks, that's that simple. God created us to have a relationship with us. It was broken by sin. Ever since then, the rest of the Bible is all trying to tell us how God's reconnecting with us till finally we all get to heaven with him, that are saved, and we have this amazing relationship with him. It's all about relationship, and the basis of all relationships, every human relationship, every divine relationship is based on trust. It's all based on trust. That's why trust or faith is the big deal, because God's purpose is to have a relationship with us. That's the whole reason we exist. And so he's saying, of course, trust me. Without faith, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible I have a relationship with each other. There has to be trust. Without faith, I have no relationship with him. That's right. That's why faith is the big deal. That's why faith is so important. Now, a couple of thoughts about this ladder. First of all, it's real. Faith depends on what God is like, not what I'm like. Did you hear that? It's right here is the will and the word, right? 
The word is the bracing part, not me. Yeah, but I this, or I that, or I don't know this. Or, no, you see, it's, it's not about me. Lots of times I've heard people make excuses or talk about things or talk about situations or another person or something like that. And really what they're doing, let me remove these. I'll show you what they're doing. They're saying they're trusting God, but the truth is sometimes they're really putting their faith and trust in someone, someone else, right? Maybe their spouse. Maybe their money. Their insurance policy. Maybe just themselves. I'm smarter than that. I can figure that out. I know what's going on. Oh, I've seen this before. And it's really not a faith in the Lord. Listen closely. You put your faith in anything else on the planet Earth, even your own brain and your own will, it will let you down. It's temporal. God is the only one, and God's word is the only thing that's eternal. We'll never, ever, ever forsake you, he says. Never, ever, ever let you down. Anything else you trust, even your own intellect, even your own ingenuity, even your own indetermination, even your own strong will will let you down, and you'll fall flat. This is where you're going. That's why I say it's your will leaning on God's word because it's the only thing that can hold you up. Everything else in life will let you down, whether it be your spouse or your kids or your money or your job or your friends. And where we get in trouble is when we start trusting in those things instead of the word of God. God's word will never pass away. Everything will be fulfilled right to the end. Jesus said that. Remember that? Sermon on the Mount? Not one iota, not one little jot or tittle, he called him. I don't have time to explain what that meant, but it's like he's trying to communicate. It's the only thing solid. Gives you a foothold. Brings me to my second point here. I wanted to make about this ladder before we move on. And that's this. Faith with your feet on the ground is not faith at all. Yeah. Sometimes we have a problem because we get afraid, you know, or we're worried and we're, we're not so sure. And so we say, okay, I'll, I'll trust your word. And the Lord looks down and goes, uh, you know, it looks to me like you're kind of like half committed, you're halfway, you're not really. No, it's all in or nothing. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You're either going to trust God for your eternal salvation, trust him for what's going on in your life right now, trust him for your health. Will you trust God? Yeah, he's writing a story through you. Yeah, he has something he wants to communicate through you. But it's going to take your faith in his word. You can't trust God with your feet on the ground. And over and over again, I'm just telling you, Christian, that's going to happen to you. Maybe, you know, here's the, here's the problem. I see this. I've been a pastor 37 years. Sometimes people are way up here, and then they go, oh, geez, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. You know, maybe, maybe not. And they end up back one foot on the ground or both. Like, yeah, but I thought you were a believer. But they're not acting like one. They're not, there's no steps. They're not on the steps. They've come back to their will. And you know what's going to happen? Like that ladder fell, they're going down. Oh, no, I've seen it happen. 
good people like you who've professed faith in Christ. And I'm trying to get you not to do that. I hope you don't do that today, today, tomorrow, the next week. Did you remember the letter? All right, God's calling me. I've got to take the next step. Yeah. He said, he'll be right there. Never leave you nor forsake you. That's what that means. Trust me. He wants you to be that intimate with him, that close to him. Okay, now you're ready for point three. Point three, faith grows as you willingly use it. Faith is something that must, must be used as you can already kind of see. Look at verse seven. He goes on and gives us a bunch of illustrations here. Just look at Noah. He says, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. That's interesting. He was afraid. And it's okay to be afraid. Yeah. It's okay. You can still have faith if you're afraid. And he put his faith, even while he was afraid, it says here, so in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I don't have time to read the whole chapter. If we had more time today, it'd be so instructive for us to read the rest of the chapter. Maybe when you get home or tonight or something, it says, well, then that's what Abraham had to trust God. And that's what Sarah had to do to trust God. And then Abraham putting Isaac on the altar, if you remember that story. And Jacob and Joseph, I love Joseph, and Moses and the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea and Joshua, the battle of Jericho and Rahab. And he goes on and on. And then he says this. Let me read this quote, starting with verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises. Did you catch that? Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness. Wow, isn't this what we need, right? Became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. And on and on it goes. And what's the whole point of what he's trying to say? They were willing, 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 over and over again, every story is trying to say, did you get it? Did you get it? Each one of them, in a different way, in a different time period, had to take a step of faith. And you're in this room this morning, and God's telling you, time to take a step and trust me. Do you believe my word or not? Folks, listen to me. It's not just praying and asking Jesus in your heart. That's step one. I told you, it changed my life dramatically. But then God challenged me with more and more, and, and he still is. And you'll be afraid, and you'll be angry, and you'll doubt. Nope, it's okay. Keep going. Next step. Next step. Even those people I told you about this week that were in my office, I'm like, next step. God's challenging you to take the next step. Okay. I see I'm running out of time here, so let me be quick. You can't trust in what you don't know. Um, it's really hard to trust in God's word if you don't know God's word. And I, I would encourage you to learn God's word if you don't know it. You need to learn it. How well do you know it? Do you know any of the stories of the Old Testament? The Old Testament's amazing step of faith, step of faith, step of faith. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, Daniel and the lion's den, I could go on and on, all these stories. It's dramatic proof to you. It's dramatic reality that you can trust God with your problem, your difficulty, your challenge, because they did. You need to read that. 
You need to know the word of God if you're going to trust it. No wonder you're weak in your faith. You're weak in the word of God. Okay? Point two. Others climbed before you. That's the whole point of this whole list he goes through in Hebrews 11. He's trying to point out, listen, all these other people trusted God and God took care of them. Why do you think you're going to trust God and God's not going to take care of you? Okay? And then the third thing I got to bring up. You got to use your faith to make it work. Faith is something you need to use, kind of like a stepladder. If this just sits in the garage and you never use it, you don't go anywhere. You can't get up high. You want to go somewhere with God? You want God to work in your life or in your kids or in your life, whatever it be. It's like, well, then you got to use it. It's not going to be used sitting on the wall, hanging on the wall in the garage kind of a thing. Well, it's through the ladder. Your faith's not going to be used. You just come to church. Now you got to use it. That brings me to the last point, the last thing I wanted to mention to you. Why did I go through all this? Why did I bring a ladder up here? Why did we fold it up and fold it up and put some signs up? Because I'm hoping you never forget this. Never, never, never. That you're all saying, okay, I'm at one of those points. My will, God's word, will I or won't I? And if I won't, maybe I just got to get deeper in the word. Maybe I got to get together with some other friends. We need to pray. Because God's definitely challenging you to do that. I'm going to end right now with a prayer. And my prayer is that you, I mean, I cannot believe there is anyone in this room that doesn't have something God's calling them to do. What is it? He's saying, okay, will you trust me with that? Will you, will, will you lean on God's word? And I'm begging you, don't fold it up and lean on yourself or somebody else because you're going down. I've seen it too much. No, no, no. You've got to trust God's word. Let's pray. I don't know what you're struggling with, what God's challenging you with, but I know this. You need to hear God's call this morning and follow it. And to follow it, you need to take the next step. God, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, person after person, church history, people in our own congregation, people that tell their stories, missionaries we've heard, they're all telling us the same story over and over and over again. We trusted God, he didn't let me down. We trusted God, we were confused. We trusted God even when we doubted. Look what God's done. Lord, I pray for that person here who's stepping down the ladder. They're, they're being too afraid. They're getting too mad. They're too confused. They, they won't. Oh, Lord, save them today. Save them of all the pain and the suffering of walking away from God. Save them from falling flat on their face. Save them, Lord. And I pray right now a prayer that maybe all of you need to join me in where you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you with, now you fill in the blank. Is it the marriage? Is it the kids? Is it the... The money, is it the job, is it conflict, difficulty, at work, whatever, in church? I'm going to trust you. Now you show me how that looks. I'm going to trust you to come through. I'm trusting you. Yeah, I'm confused. I don't understand, but that doesn't matter. I hear your word, and I'm trusting you. This is your prayer I'm praying. Come to you, Jesus, and I'm going to trust you with it.
Maybe you've never met Christ as your Savior and Lord. Trust him for your very eternal life, for your very soul. This is what it means. It's all about your relationship with him, and that will take trust. Thank you, Father, for delivering your word to us, teaching us. Now may we be people that walk by faith, a step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.